see with my eyes and take a breath and I'm- Can I'm, you still see with those eyes? Yeah, well, with, with glass, you know. I, That's my one flaw with the script in the movie. You're gonna tell me this guy with this amazing IQ couldn't figure out that it was a manifestation of his own thoughts? Do you think they should remake this? No. Welcome to The Real Generation Gap. My name is Shane Schildmeyer. And I'm Fred Satilli. And today we are reviewing The Forbidden Planet. Science fiction has always been the expression of the outer limits of man's imagination. Whether beneath the sea, the far reaches of outer space, or inside the body or mind of man, man imagines. In 1958, a story was written. The story examined the very nature of man's subconscious mind. This disturbing story was recognized by cinematic pioneers who created the cinematic masterpiece, Forbidden Planet. With groundbreaking visual and especially groundbreaking audio effects, Walter Pidgeon, Anne Francis, and Leslie Nielsen star in the quintessential film that examines the primitive nature of man and how that evil nature became the destruction of a race far more advanced than our own. And that's, that's kind of why I love sci-fi. You know, sci-fi predicts the future. And, um, you know, a lot of sci-fi movies say we had flying, we would have flying cars by now and stuff like that. Right. So I always like to see them and then, especially old ones, see them and see where we are today. And that's one of the things that... See how close it is. How close how we are. Close. And that's right. what well, I kind you got to admit, when the flip phone came out, yeah. you knew that was Captain Kirk's communicator. Exactly. They made the communicator. It was very, exactly. It was amazing that they did that. So in this movie, I thought it was pretty funny seeing everything was so analog, like like you were saying... They, they had a navigation system, but it was a, it was a sphere thing in the middle, right? Right. Versus now. And then they had to like yeah, pull back on pull the levers yeah. and everything now is digital. We have Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, radio waves. And then like, like he had his little communicator thing on his belt, but it had a, had yeah, a wire. Yeah, it was wired. It was like, <laughs> so it's like he's kind of on point. You know, we can, you know, just do, like we have Bluetooth and stuff, but you wouldn't need a wire these days. So... so I think that's pretty funny, yeah. And another, another fantastic technical thing that they had in mind mm -hmm. was everybody knows when you're gonna land the airplane, you strap them with seatbelts. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that you know, anytime you know, you're gonna land something, you're gonna sit in the seat, mm -hmm. but they didn't. They stayed vertical. There were no chairs in the spaceship. Yeah. They stood up, they stood over a thing that was exactly like the beam down thing in Star Trek, and a beam froze them standing up for the landing. Mm -hmm. And then when they, they came out of it, they were like in a little bit of a fog. Yeah, and that, so and I noticed that and my first instinct when they hopped in that thing was, oh, they're going to beam down. And I was like, They oh, didn't wait. have beam down <laughs> yeah, yet. I was like, oh, this isn't Star Trek. Never mind. So that that was just um, like a safety spot to stand or? Somehow in the science fiction world, that was the way they dealt with the G-forces mm -hmm. and whatever it would okay. take. Because they were slowing down from after speed of light And they speed. said like, oh, it kind of messes with your head when they came out, right? Right. They were like, oh, it's a little, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit foggy. Yeah. It, it's supposed to take place in, in the, 20, the 22, mm -hmm. you know, 2200. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a thousand years away mm -hmm. or, or whatever. But they, they said right in the beginning, once they found out how to go faster than the speed of light, they could genuinely go to other stars. Yes. And that's something that a lot of science fiction 
you don't realize how far away these things are. Mm -hmm. You can't go there. Yeah. We and can't even eat. at the speed of well, light, it would take yeah. years and years and years. Exactly. And that's what he said, uh, the narrator or whatever said, they were going beyond the speed of light, correct? Right, like, yes. Far, far beyond the speed yeah, of far. light. And we can't even Once they figure that, that out. Yeah. And you, you know figuring that out would just be a matter of, oh, look how this works. Mm -hmm. Oh, now we can do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So that was... I also liked the... <clears throat> The spaceship itself was like the iconic flying saucer. Like it looked nothing like a spaceship we have today, like no. with rockets and almost like an airplane. Yeah, it was a real <laughs> Area 51. It was a, the iconic flying saucer. And the thing that always made me laugh was all that equipment and everything, mm -hmm. like they could never fit in there. No, yeah, <laughs> Where yeah, did yeah. they get? They had like Jeeps and yeah, trucks and yeah, yeah, like yeah. a boom <laughs> thing and, you know, and then, and, then, and they, uh, they, it was funny that they had to scavenge parts from the ship mm -hmm. to make the safety perimeter. Oh, yeah, the safety perimeter. And, and all that kind of stuff. As if a giant monster couldn't step over the safety perimeter. Well, who, who knew how that worked? <laughs> yeah. But because you saw when the monster came, it, yeah, it, was, it was big, huge. right? Yeah. The perimeter was big. But I, I like the fact, and, and this would be true in any movie, but it was especially fun in this movie because every person that was introduced was wow. So the first person that's introduced is the robot, mm -hmm. and they see the they see the shuttle coming at them, and it's going really fast. Yeah, and the guy says, "The the, the driver that must be a maniac." Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's the robot. Yeah, I and, liked the robot right away. I was like, "Oh, it looks just like um, Danger Family Robinson." Um, right, Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Lost in Space. just like that. Which my dad had made me watch that years ago. So. Right, but it was seven years sooner. Yes, it was seven years yeah. before that. And then I actually looked up. It was an inspiration. This inspired that robot. And there was actually um, an episode of Lost in Space where they featured Robbie yes. the Robot. Right. They, they, I didn't know that. That's pretty right. cool. Yeah, keep that in the prop cabinet. Yeah. We're going to use yeah, that. Definitely. We're going to use that. And I, I, the robot costume is so funny because you could tell it's like just a dude in a suit. It's made well, for that. Obviously. But I'm sure at the time it was like amazing. But yeah, Robbie's a pretty cool character. I really liked like he's like kind of the the comedic character of the movie, and it was neat because you, he had the, the clear dome, so you could see all the workings, the mechanics, like the things yeah. moving around and all that. Yeah. And you know when we were when we were kids, they had a plastic model. It was called the visible V8 engine. Okay. And it was a a, a clear Chevy engine, hmm. and you would actually build see it, and you it. would see how everything worked, and mm -hmm. the stuff moving around. And they even had. I used to call it the visible V8 man and the visible V8 woman because of the visible V8 engine. Okay. But they even had human models hmm. where it had the skin was clear yeah, and you put the, the muscular and oh, everything like that. They don't have that anymore. But the fact that you could see all that stuff working, they could have easily just put a cardboard box over yeah. that and it would have been easier to make. But they went to a lot of trouble mm -hmm. to make that robot. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think the costuming too was something that should be at least noted. Um, I always love sci-fi movies and what they think people are going to wear in the future. But I thought it was pretty, it was reflective of the times because they had their super old school, super tight haircuts. And oh, yeah, they all had like the same ball cap. But um, everybody's in the military. Yeah. Yeah. They're wearing yeah. a uniform. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told you this a, a while ago. For some reason, everybody thought everybody from space would be wearing, wearing boots. boots. Yeah. They all have, even aliens that come, they're in mm -hmm. boots. Mm -hmm. Guys, and that's just a funny thing. I think it's very funny, yeah. But um, they, the, the robot picks up a couple of people from the ship. That's when they introduce the next character, Morbius. Mm -hmm. And he's a genius doctor. He's a linguist. Mm -hmm. He's a language study guy. 
mm-hmm. it's important that that's what he is because he has to study the ancient language mm-hmm. of these people. So you see him. Right away, I knew he was a bad guy. All black. Yeah. All black. Right away, I knew he was a problem. Right. Maybe not sinister. a bad guy. Yeah, he yeah. was sinister. All black. And he yeah. wanted them, he told them, don't even land here. Mm-hmm. It's not a good idea. You're mm-hmm. all going to die. This is really a bad yeah. deal. Get out of here. We're good. It's totally We're good. foreshadowing. We're, we're happy. <laughs> we're happy. And so you, you, they, the robot takes him there, mm-hmm. and here's the lonely old man, and he's got the robot companion. They don't know how on earth he could have possibly created him. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's great how stuff is explained in such small bites. Mm-hmm. You know, little, he mentions it casually. Mm-hmm. How is it? And then right when they're pretty much all set to go, they're really pretty good. He explains the crew is all dead. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And I loved it that he says... He, where else would they be but on a hill? They're buried on a hill, like in a cowboy mm-hmm. western. Mm-hmm. And it's and they're, the graves are marked by crosses. Mm-hmm. There are all crosses on the yep. grave. He says, I buried the crew, and I buried my own wife and everything. They're all ready to go. And then they introduce Anne Francis, the daughter. Yeah, yeah you've had a crush on her since... Uh, since I was 10 since, years old. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Beautiful woman ever, Right. Debatable. And, and yeah, well, I'm still waiting for you to come up with, uh, in those days. Is she still around? In those, I can't imagine that she's still alive, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to know. But um, it's the standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. She was a real late 50s, early 60s. She had very wide apart eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was very blonde, mm-hmm. very, very fair. Those icy blue eyes. Yeah. Yes, always, mm-hmm. you know. And that was, uh, that was a really, even, even the brunettes at that time, they were still that kind of Jean Tierney beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I know you don't know who that is. No. But really beautiful, like Donna Reed. Okay. Donna Reed, no. Okay, really beautiful. That's a brunette. Mar- Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, well, she was a processed beauty. Yes. Not, not like Donna Reed. Donna uh-huh. Reed looked like that when she woke up in the morning. So anyway, then Anne Francis enters the story. Now it's a whole new movie. It's a, because now they have to see, really, they're there to rescue the, the crew. The, right. Yeah. This guy says, I don't need rescue. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> there's no crew. It's just me. Right. Leave me alone. But now there's an 18-year-old girl. An 18-year-old girl who's never seen men other than her father. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is interested in these guys. Yeah. Right? It was interesting. It was, it was kind of weird to watch. <laughs> yeah. She, she wanted to find out what they do and why they do it and how they do it. She was wide open to experience. Mm-hmm. And, of course, these guys, they're, in, they're military. And then they had the gentleman's code. And then they were men, so they were natural caretakers. They wanted to take care of her even though she was such a knockout that everybody was enamored with her. Yeah. And they, they, all, they all couldn't deny that. No, so at first they all seemed kind of um, extra, a little uh, pushy on her. Did, yeah. yeah. No? Did you get that? Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of weird at first. Everybody wanted to move and in. And then one of them... And they were competitive s- about it. Yeah, were yeah. like, okay. One of them said like, oh, don't let the, co- the commander near her or something, right? Yeah. He, he, yeah. he trashed the guy. Yeah. He preemptively... That guy's a wolf. Yeah. She was like, is that bad? Yeah. And like of nothing course, they said mattered because she had no experience yeah. with the, with the uh, primitive nature of mm-hmm. the male ego mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she thought their behavior was real strange. Yes. They weren't like her dad. But um, after a while, they, Morpheus could no longer... Morbius. 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, all my life I've said Morpheus, but it is Morbius. You're it's right. Morbius, yeah. Morbius. And he totally looks like a Morbius, too. Oh, yeah. He fits the yeah. iconography for all, Morbius. All this, yeah, it's great. They they went to the star Altair. They land on the planet Altair 4, and her name was Altara. Altara, yeah. They called her Alta. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny to me that they gave a character a nickname for an hour and a half, like just Altara. Yeah. yeah. No, no, just a cute little Alta, mm-hmm. you know. And they never say that. That's that uh, it's short for Altera. But then in certain parts, they start referencing to her as Altera, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's, I think he introduces her. Oh, that's my daughter, Alta. Yeah, you know, he does. Like, I told you not to come in here. Yeah. And uh, so she blew that cover completely because mm-hmm. she, Curiosity, got that cat. Mm-hmm. And so in, so in she came. Then it started, the problem. <laughs> Tell us about the problem, Shane. <laughs> so the... Morbius, they're like, well, what do you mean your crew's dead? Like, what happened? And Morbius says he basically, some kind of monster destroyed them, splattered their bodies everywhere. He doesn't know what the monster is, why it came, but him and his wife at the time were immune to the monster. Right. That's all he pretty much explains. And um, so... Right away, they're suspicious of that. They're suspicious. Why were you be, and where is your wife? Yeah, yeah. And then he says she died of natural causes. So it's kind of from there on, it's they kind of don't trust him and they're trying to figure out what happened, right. what they this monster is. Something Something's up. up. He starts to explain the Krell. Is that what happens? Right. Yeah. He starts right. to explain the Krell, which was the race of people that, or whatever, lived there before. And um, he starts to show them all that he takes them into the cave. No, he doesn't take them in at first. At first, um, he doesn't want to show them anything. And then they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then he finally takes them into the, it's like a cave thing, right? Right, yeah, a giant archway, doorway mm-hmm. into a subterranean, mm-hmm. underground, mm-hmm. underground gigantic power plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in there, again, everything's all mechanical. The technology is all super futuristic. And... Um, but what, <laughs> what I liked most is, as they go from room to room, those sets are complicated, Very. and they just walk through once. Very. So they go in a room, and there's all this stuff. Very, yeah. And it's not like they exploited that set. That mm-hmm. was the one moment. That thing was on mm-hmm. maybe on screen for like 12 mm-hmm. seconds. Yep. Yeah, and there's a shot that I know we both liked. It's like a, a overhead shot looking down, and it's them on a bridge, and they look so tiny. And it's, it's a really cool shot. Yeah, I, I wanted to... Here's what he tells them. I wrote it down so I wouldn't blow it, right? The, the, they're standing on this catwalk mm-hmm. way out between these two giant buildings. And he says, the power plant is 20 miles each way. There are 400 of these vent shafts like the one we're mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. He says, you feel the hot air rising? And they, they do. And he says, this installation is 8,000 cubic miles. And the whole time you're hearing whoop, 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 whoop. The thing's generating power. And then I, I didn't I didn't put this in my notes, but he said, I, I've watched this for years maintain and lubricate itself. A few years ago, I think it went through an upgrade. Oh really? Like it had yeah. some kind of upgrade. <laughs> I didn't catch that part. He yeah, said that. I didn't know. Yeah, he's just, just telling them about it. Mm-hmm. And when he when he asks them to look at the actual power being created, he tells them, you have to view this in a mirror. Mm-hmm. And then he says, the face of the Gorgon, you know, cannot be seen by a man and the man yeah. would live. 
And that's the thing from mythology, right? Medusa was the Gorgon, and, and Odysseus was able to get her because his shield was shiny, and he held up the shield, and he saw her coming, uh, and then he killed yeah, yeah, He yeah. killed the Gorgon, but he couldn't look directly okay. at it and live. See, I didn't know what a Gorgon was. I was like, oh, that sounded clever, whatever that was. Yeah. Cool, very cool. That's a... Yeah, my brother-in-law, Dave Gorgon. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. But So that was a, that was a mythology moment. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of those and moments. And Mor- yeah, Morbius, the whole movie, is kind of douchey. He's kind of like, I have a very high IQ. I know more than you guys. He even says something yeah. to the commander. What does he say? He was dismissive. Yeah, he's your very primitive dismissive. brain, yeah. you'll be dead if you oh, try to use it. What does he say to the commander? He says, uh, commanders don't need to think, they just need to be loud or something like right. that. Something That's right, along they those just lines. need to talk loud. Yeah. He tells the doctor to put on the IQ booster. Yeah, so yeah, let's get to that part. That was interesting. Um, they get to this machine that uh, that Morbius found, and it's supposed to go on the mind of whatever species before. They make a point to say, "We don't. It, it, it does it. It's not made for like. a human's head." Right. Um, and apparently, when Morbius put this thing on, it expanded his IQ, his brain capacity. Um, but it almost killed him. But it almost killed him, and he doesn't allow the other guys to use it. Well, the neat thing, the neat, yeah. see, you know, it's so great when when a movie, when every line is important, mm-hmm. what he was as, as a PhD was a linguist. Mm-hmm. And so his whole thing was languages. Mm-hmm. So he found all this stuff and he started to look at their weird hieroglyphics and try to figure out their language so he could begin to operate and study this. And all he did all day was basically study the Krell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he got to the point where he, Wanted to try that machine. It almost killed him. But when he, and, and you know what I loved once again, how complicated the set was. He puts on the device, and next to him, there's this gigantic clear cylinder with this floating ball thing mm-hmm. in that goes up as you start to think. It goes up. Yeah. And why create that? Oh, yeah. And just that had the that three was, thing. It would have been like that was their IQ uh, level. Yeah. Well, it was showing yeah. their levels. It was right? the gauge. Yeah. yeah, it was the gauge. It was yeah. kind of like a hydrometer. Yeah. You know, like to check your radiator fluid. Mm-hmm. And you're, well, you probably don't do that, but we used to check our radiator fluid in our car, believe it or not. Just the fact that they made that, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a big part of the movie. It was just like, oh, this is how this works. But they show it. Okay. So essential to the story, though. Yeah. So essential. And, and as you were saying about the, the shape of them, mm-hmm. he said, we don't know what they look like, but all the doors are this weird triangle thing. Yeah. Like for you and me, it's a straight up and down, mm-hmm. like we're six feet tall, the thing's eight feet tall, you walk mm-hmm. through, right? It's, it's made for us. Which was confusing because then they get in that little uh, pod thing and it's they, he says it's small. But the doorways were big and triangular. So it's what, interesting. what pod thing? Remember right when he's taking them into the... Into the Krell's lair, they get into that little pod. Right, the little train, yeah, the train. little tram mm-hmm. thing. Right, the guy wouldn't, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So it's interesting because the doorways are big and he makes a note of that. And then that pod is small. Right. And then you never even see them Some the kind end. of flaw mm-hmm. in the, some, you know, the, the, the uh, prop guys. Look, just use this thing yeah. that's left over from the Mission Impossible episode. <laughs> yeah. We're putting it in there. And, and they did that. But um, the one doctor, he tries it. He tries the thing and it kills him. Mm-hmm. But in killing him, he comes to realize what the monster is. And this is the point of the movie, and this is why the book was great, and this is why the book was made into a movie, because mm. what this was, the man, Morbius, himself... Well, you got to explain 
what the machine did. Because right, well, so, it, 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 it so the machine that uh, that boosts their IQ also makes projections of their thoughts. That's right. They're real. Yeah. Right. And he real. had the projection of his daughter. Yeah, so he made a projection of his daughter. So once the doctor tried the, the projection machine, the IQ boosting machine, he wanted to find out if he could do it. The machine was devastating to him and it actually killed him. But what he found out and what he noted just before he died was that this machine projected what you wanted to see or what you wanted to happen. It manifested your thoughts. The problem is you don't control all your thoughts. You have cerebral thoughts, you think on a very high level, but deep inside you, there's the limbic brain, the lizard brain. And if that brain wants revenge or that brain has hate, if deep inside your primitive nature, there's something that's true to you that you control as a civilized man. You keep that under control, but in reality, that's real. So this machine makes that happen. It manifests your deepest, darkest thoughts. And this is, he tells Leslie Nielsen, the captain, he tells him they didn't understand the creatures from the id. And the id is a word in psychology that describes this in, inner lim limbic lizard brain. You, you have deep primal thoughts, whether they're lust or greed or hate or whatever, that, that a civilized man suppresses, but the savage man doesn't. And this thing allowed the savage man to come out. Morbius is a very civilized man. As this monster was appearing, he could never realize that it was the creature from his own id. It was his inner feeling. He did not want to leave the planet and the rest of the crew wanted to leave, but he wanted to stay. And he wanted to stay so much that this machine manifested a monster that came after them and killed them one at a time. That's my one flaw with the script in the movie. You're gonna tell me this guy with his amazing IQ couldn't figure out that it was a manifestation of his own thoughts? But it's explained right in the movie because once they tell him, it's you, mm -hmm. you're the monster, you're the problem. Mm -hmm. He says, my poor Krell, after a million years of civilization, they could hardly imagine what it was that was killing them mm -hmm. because they had evolved so much to suppress that savage nature that they couldn't even realize that they were the ones doing it. And their own savage nature wiped them out just as his savage nature was now coming for him. Mm -hmm. And he has that, he has that line uh, where he says, the, the monster at, is at the door and it's me! Yeah. And I can't stop it! Yeah. And, and it's so great. I, I he, yeah. He I, realizes that to, to, to stop it, that he has to die. He realizes that. Mm -hmm. It's the only way. And because he realizes that man is not prepared for unlimited power. That's another line, just it's like Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Man is not prepared. Just as, he's, as he realizes he's gonna die, he tells another soldier, press that button and the guy naturally it's a plunger mm -hmm. you know like yeah. a dynamite plunger yeah. because they made yeah. it in 1958 so morbius realizes that in order to stop the creature from the id he has to die yeah but he also realizes that 
he cannot allow man to have this unlimited power because all they will do is generate more creatures from mm -hmm. the id. Mm -hmm. So he, he tells one of the soldiers that's there, he says, press that button. He's, he's just about to die. He says, press that button. And of course, it's a plunger because yeah. it's 1958. That's how you settle so down. mechanical, right. yeah. It's so it great. It couldn't that. just be like a button, but yeah. Right, voice well, it, command. He's like, twist that lever. Yeah. And push that down, yeah. Or, you know, auto-destruct sequence, yeah. one, yeah. Morbius, and now it's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And he tells him, it's unstoppable. You have 24 hours to get off this planet, and you have to be a million, million miles millions away. Millions of miles, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and they realize they got to go. Time mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. And of course, the monster comes through. He sacrifices himself. The minute he's dead, the whole thing, the drama's mm -hmm. over. The monster's yeah. dead. He's dead. Yeah. Right? So now they know they, they have to escape. There's no way they can salvage anything. They got to run for their life. But they took Robbie. Uh-huh. They, 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 they take Robbie the robot. I love that. That's the sense. They rescue him. Yeah. He's rescued along with the beautiful girl. Mm -hmm. they, they get him out in the space and they watch... In the, in the beginning, when he shows him the power plant, he says, all the power of an exploding solar system. Mm -hmm. And then when they're a million miles away oh, yeah, and they look through it. the viewing. Yeah. It's kind of similar to Oppenheimer. I knew you were when thinking he, when that. When he sees the nuke blow up through the, through the viewer. Right. It was kind of similar to that, yeah. Yeah, it completely overwhelms the screen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a giant blast. It's mm -hmm. not a cute little explosion yeah. or anything. It's a galactic size, mm -hmm. you know. And... Uh, that was, that was really a great ending, a, a great philosophical story. Mm -hmm. I, I love to get philosophical about these things. Mm -hmm. I, I like to relate things from the past, even from the Roman Empire or even the Egyptians or anything, yeah. just because it's- Back when you were a kid. Right, yeah, yeah. Back, you know, back when we had the asp, you know. And, and uh, it just occurs to me that it was, it was the power, but it was the battle between good and evil. Civilized man against the lizard brain, mm -hmm. the limbic brain. Mm -hmm. What's, what would win out? What would win out? Yeah, that was the story, yeah. Yeah, the limbic brain was winning. <laughs> the, yeah. the, evil of yeah. man, the evil of man was ultimately dominating. Yeah, see, I, I'm still a little caught up with that in the story. It just, um, it's just hard for me to buy that this smart guy, the super smart guy, just couldn't see that. Why couldn't he contain that? Because because you beat your heart, mm -hmm. but you don't know how you beat your heart. You do things that are beyond your control. Mm -hmm. the, the lizard brain, the limbic brain, is beyond your, your control. Your cerebral brain cannot control yeah. your fear, your loneliness, these kind of things. Mm. And they, they, they're part of your animal nature, and even this advanced civilization still was controlled by its animal nature. Yeah. Now, I see, you know, I'm very much into the the whole Buddha and the, and the demon yeah. and the yin and yang mm -hmm. of life. There's always a balance of those mm -hmm. two things. But the balance, it's like matter and antimatter. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just blow up? Mm -hmm. Something is a little bit dominant. Yeah. Matter is dominant over antimatter or we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. well, real quick, you just said yin and yang. Um, and I just kind of put that together because Morbius is in all black and his daughter, I forgot her name, she's in all white. Right. And she kind of represents the Alta, life, Alta the fertility. Alta is purity and yeah. innocence yeah. and wide open curiosity. Huh. Yeah, I just made that connection. She's open to everything and he's closed to yes. everything. Yeah. He's shutting the stuff down. She's trying hmm. to open hmm. stuff up. Yeah. Now in the end, they save her, right? So the dove is saved. <laughs> yes. The, 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 oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But... Um, 
right now we live in a society where we have to ask ourselves about our own subversion. What is winning in our society? It seems like the dark forces almost have the unlimited power of the Krell. They, it seems that the dark forces are unopposed. We're not sure where the power for these dark forces comes from, but we sure do see it in our society. Mm -hmm. We sure do see it. And the people, everybody, you hear all the time in the news are saying, everybody has to wake up, everybody has to wake up. And it was the same thing with the Krell. They were unable to wake up to the fact that they were killing themselves. Yeah. And it seems like in society right now with some of these, uh, some of these agendas, of subversive agendas, that we are not staying true to our pure, to our better nature. Mm -hmm. You know, I always look at, at the, the, the godly world and the underworld as the better nature of man and the worst nature of man. Mm -hmm. You have the little angel telling you to do the right thing and you have the little devil telling you to do the wrong thing all the time. Yeah. You have a choice all the time. I, I truly feel that mankind has to wake up and suppress the, the worst nature of man. Hmm. I think that these uh, people running the world with their greed and their avarice and their fear are dominating. In other words, they're they're the limbic. They're the they're the savages. Would you not agree that's been the story throughout the history of man, though? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, has it ever been different? Where no, there people was never, leading have been pure never a and utopian great society. And, this yeah. is why the story of the of the Garden <laughs> of Eden exists. Mm -hmm. In other words, this could happen, but the evil nature of man yeah. went, made a turn. Mm -hmm. And we've been paying for it ever since. So I, do you think it's realistic to even think that? that is ever obtainable? It's the thing that has to be striven for. Mm -hmm. We have to strive for mm -hmm. the dominance of man's better nature over man's evil nature. Hmm. And uh, the in the movie, the man who recognizes this destroys the power mm -hmm. of the evil nature. Yeah. So that, I think that's what we have to do now. I have to think we have to, you know, defund the evil nature. People have to stop, uh, Failing to vote with their with their feet, vote with their wallet. Mm -hmm. I think you have to do. Everybody has to do the right thing as much as they can all the time, mm -hmm. and they can't just close their eyes and stick their head in the sand like an ostrich and say, "Well, I'm okay, so everything can just keep going." Yeah, I hate because that because the evil nature that grows. Sucks. Yeah. It grows. Yeah, and it, it seems like just just like in the power lab with the exponential meters, mm -hmm. right? This gave you 10, this gave you 10 to the second power, 10 mm -hmm. to the third power, almost limitless energy. Mm -hmm. It seems that all of this international strife that we have almost seems to have unlimited energy. Mm -hmm. look, look, at, look at the uh, situation in Ukraine. Hundreds of thousands of people are being killed you would think a civilized world would say, whoa, 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 let's, stop that. Let's get some diplomacy. Everybody just, everybody first, everybody don't shoot any more guns yeah. for a couple days. We, yeah. we gotta work through this as civilized people, but we are not civilized no. people. And we keep throwing millions of dollars at it, and meanwhile, Hawaii's on fire. And millions of dollars they're, that are, they're they're not even coming from a, each. <laughs> they're not even coming from a real source, the millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They're getting those millions of dollars by degrading Our the dollars. dollars that we have now. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. it's, it's really heinous. I think the movie addresses this, like you said, a, a subject that's 10,000 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Cain and Abel, yeah. right? I'm not my brother's keeper. He's mm -hmm. jealous. He kills his brother. Mm -hmm. It's just, 
Yeah. You know, Morbius, internal conflict. Morbius wanted what he wanted, and he created a monster to stop everybody from getting what he wanted. Yeah. He wasn't even una- he was unable to even stop it. Mm-hmm. it. It got a life of its own because it was in the part of your brain that you don't control. And I think we have a lot of that in society. Hmm. I think a lot of people are living with their limbic brain, with their lizard brain. <laughs> I really do. I think a lot of the decisions are made are gut reaction, knee jerk, yeah. selfish, careless things. And um, hopefully we can do better. You think that's the majority of people or do you think that's the leadership in, in, in our government? No, there is no leadership. <laughs> Those are tyrants. Those are people, they're not leading us anywhere. They're controlling us, holding us back. They're standing on our shoulders to elevate themselves because in reality, they are not productive people. No, but what I'm getting at is you think those... None of these world leaders are growing food or educating children or building roads. So what I'm getting at is you you think they're all led by their limbic system towards towards evil. Yes, they are. (laughs) They're like, I'll crush anybody. Do you think they're consciously doing that? Do you think they have... Better intentions for everyone? No, they don't have better intentions. Not at all. They can't control it. It comes from something that they can't control. Yeah. Just like in the movie. Mm -hmm. They can't, I I don't want to name any names, (laughs) but I don't know how that'll fly. But there are people that can't help doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And you see this at a small level. There are people who can't help being a drug addict or a gambling addiction, or they can't help overeating Mm -hmm. or whatever. That's, they know in their mind what's right and wrong and what to do, hmm. but they can't help it. Just hmm. like just like Morbius just couldn't, he couldn't stop the monster. Yeah. Okay, Fred, I get it. But what is the remedy? What is the solution? I feel like it's something that's going to be, it's never going to change. It's going to be the same thing over and over Well, and over. you know how I hate the word change, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I hear people pray for things that are superfluous. Oh, I pray that we have nice weather tomorrow. That is not what you pray for when you talk to God. When you talk to God, when you pray, you pray to be a better person. That's what, that's what I pray each day. When I get up in the morning and I can see with my eyes and take a breath and I'm-, I'm Can you still more, see with those eyes? Yeah, well, with, with glass, you know, I, I yeah, I, I work my way. Yeah. It's actually, but what, what? I can hear a little bit, yeah. you know, with something like a blasting TV. I'd be grateful too. But, but, but seriously, seriously, we, we, we have the Ten Commandments. We know right from wrong. We know you're not supposed to kill anybody or rob anybody or covet anything or anything like that. We know right from wrong. Now, I have a limbic system too, and I have jealousy and fear and all that kind of stuff just like everybody else, but I pray to be able to control it. That, to me brings me closer to God. So my, my feeling about it is we have the, the dark side, the, mm-hmm. the demon system or whatever, is trying to crush religion, crush religion, crush religion, because mm-hmm. they don't want you to, to use your better nature or develop your better nature. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to be kind. They want you to be fearful. Okay. They want you to be jealous. So what do you say to someone like me? I don't consider myself a spiritual person, but I consider myself a good person. I don't pray at all. I, Only I, like when I go to the dentist or something. I know. But. Well, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. You know, sit next to my bed like this and, yeah. and anything like that. You, you are a very good person. Thank uh, you. I, I do know that. I, I do. You know, have a very sincere nature and all that kind of thing. And you know how they say, pray for somebody else. Yeah. I pray that you 
don't give in to your limbic thing, that you don't fall, you don't falter, that you continue to work hard. I know you work you know, several jobs and mm-hmm. you're, you're a real motivated, productive guy. Mm-hmm. And I really respect and admire that because so many aren't. Mm-hmm. And they have to they have to look at themselves in the mirror yeah. and say, I, I gotta get up and go to work. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm useless, I'm, I'm a drag yeah. on society. I, I pray and, and, and you, um, you, you don't seem to need remedial but you have to constantly be aware that you could become lousy. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you and could, I've been lousy. You could, okay. And I've been lousy. Um, but I, I think um, our perspective on that's a little different. Um, sounds like you go to faith-based ways of keeping you on the, the good side of things. Interestingly enough, this is the generation gap again. When you're young, you have many, many years ahead of you. Mm-hmm and you haven't evaluated a lot of your life yet. Mm-hmm. But when you get older, you, you start to evaluate your life and you start to, what did I do right, what did I do wrong? And the people yeah. around you, what did they do right and what did they do wrong? Mm-hmm. And the, the desire or need for a, a better society, like you're just tougher than me, you could handle more, more problems than me, you're mm-hmm. more resilient. But with me, I'm a little more thin-skinned now. <laughs> I want everybody to be nice. I can't have a world war right yeah. now. I'm not, yeah. you know, you could probably survive one. Uh, I can't. Yeah. So I really, um, I really pray that people don't kill each other, mm-hmm. that they don't steal from each other, that mm-hmm. they don't hurt each other. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to be happy. I have neighbors who have very noisy kids. Mm-hmm. These kids are happy kids. They're shrieking with joy and delight and they're chasing each other around and they're screaming. And to me, that's music. It's beautiful. Okay. It's, it's life. To me, it's, I'd be like, can someone shut those kids up, please? Right, that's the difference <laughs> in age, right? It's the, you know, I, I stop and smell the roses more. Yeah. So, so I'm a little bit more introspective. Yeah. With, with you, you're, you're still in a bar fight. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all day long, anything can happen. But... Um, yeah, I think that the spiritual aspect of this is really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the past, uh, people had spiritual upbringing. Yeah. And, and they did the right thing because it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think people now have become more selfish, more ungrateful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is a spiritual problem. Um, I will agree with you to an extent. Um, I think it is important for... I don't want to say spiritual upbringing because I grew up super, not super Catholic, but I grew up going to CCD, mm-hmm. um, Sunday school, Catholic school, stuff like Catechism. that. Catechism. Catechism, yeah. yeah. Um, and it does kind of lay foundation for what a good person is and does. Um, See, that's, that's the training. The, so yeah. you know not to kill people. Mm-hmm. Really, you're a good Catholic. Mm-hmm. Even though you're really not a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. But, but those things are ingrained in you in some level into the yeah. limbic system. You yeah. Know? So, so, yeah. So I think it's important. I think it's a very important message in the movie yeah. that for good to triumph over evil, it's a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. just be selfish and lazy and careless yeah. and, and avarice. Yeah, and, and what I was getting is a lot of uh, people I know or a lot of my generation and even younger generations, I think they're getting further from that from the spirituality, whether good or bad. Um, man, all these girls believe in, um, what is it called? Astrology. 
you know, like I'm a cancer or whatever. And that dictates. I'm a cancer. That, yeah. that's, it's funny that you <laughs> picked that sign. I'm a cancer. Well, I am a cancer. Yeah, it's I'm like a Capricorn. Capricorn I know how, yeah. And how that dictates so much of their life and stuff. And I don't consider that spirituality. But, no, it's not. It's just yeah. fun. Yeah, it's just exactly. wacky. It, it, you know. But I think that's almost kind of replacing. It's like it a magic a eight ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. Yeah. No, what what has replaced spirituality is this indoctrination. Is this uh, liberal agenda? where you, you don't have to admit what you are, you don't have to have, be responsible for what you are, you're owed, owed an education, you're owed a living, you're owed healthcare, you're owed all these things by society. You're not owed any of these things, mm-hmm. but this is, this is their, See, this is their I, I Bible. I somewhat disagree with you because I don't wanna say I'm necessarily owed these things, but in the richest country in the history of time, we can certainly afford these things. Absolutely we can. Yeah. But where does the money go? It goes to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, I, I think we I think I've certainly made all the points I want to make. And I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie as much as you did. Yeah. It's, it's important to me. Because the, these movies are formative in my life. You know, yeah, so I love sci-fi. Um, like I said before, I love sci-fi. So this has kind of earned a little special place in my heart, knowing that it's like the godfather of it, you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, I, yeah, like the, I just wanted, we talked about how the beam me down Star Trek thing, um, that was recognizable. Um, the, uh, the sets all look like Star Trek sets. Even the, the ray guns, they looked a lot like a ray gun from a game called Call of Duty. I know you probably have no idea no, what no, I'm talking I, about. No, no, that I know. Okay. So in the game, there's a ray gun, and it looks mm-hmm. almost identical to the guns they have. Yeah, where movie. do you think they got it? Yeah. Speaking of, I, that's one thing I found funny too. Every time they're shooting weapons, there's like no recoil. They're right. just like holding it, like like nothing. Well, it's not a recoil weapon. Yeah, but it's like you could tell that the animators added the effects after right. they didn't act with it. Um, I thought that was funny too. But yeah, this was an awesome movie. Um, it's impacted. Sci-fi was like everything, C-3PO, robots, most science fiction films, Close Encounters with the keyboards and Mm -hmm. the noises. Um, There's so many um, references to this. Um, And I had a question for you. Do you think they should remake this? No. I disagree. I think it would be a great, awesome remake. Well, did you see the Geiger thing? No. Oh, yeah, there's a video on YouTube that says what would have happened if Hans Ruta Geiger. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. HR Geiger? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a fan of... So of that him. was like AI-generated video, yeah. Oh, I would... Well, yeah. no. That guy really made all those things. Geiger, did you ever see his house? No. He's got these monsters all throughout his house. Those oh, really? people with the heads that go way back yeah. and stuff. He's got like mannequins of that in his home. Okay. So that that's his art form. Now, obviously, the gigantic scenes yeah. are, are movie. They're pictures, you know, yeah. paintings or whatever. But um, so you don't think you'd make a cool, re- be a cool remake? I I hate it when something this good. Is... I think this is the one that deserves one. I think it's been long enough. Like we can still play with all the the soundtrack. We can do it different, but the same. We can do synthesizers. The story is good. Oh, the story is universal. Update, you know, maybe I would say let's do it like half CGI, half practical. Mm-hmm. I think you'd make a really good remake. Okay. You could do a fair, fair enough. I'm, yeah. It, it would depend on who did it and how well yeah, they who did, did it. it. How well, obviously. It would, it would be really disappointing if they didn't do a do, good job. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I'm typically against remakes, but this one I feel like I agree with that. This one I'm like I think they could do a good one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you, obviously you know that I love the movie and I give it a ten. So you're going with the solid ten so again? I, well, yeah, because I'm I'm waiting for you to to uh, suggest one that I can tear to pieces. Okay. Yeah. No, I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I had a little issue with the story. I just it's still weird to me that this super smart guy can't overcome. The monster within, or even, or even recognize, even recognize. Like yeah. it, maybe it'd be better if he was like, "It's me. I know it's me. I can't stop it." That's different. The fact right. he can recognize it, I was like, "Eh." But I give it like a. Well, you know, you know something interesting about that. A lot of times, there's such such a thing as denial. True. Yeah. So it might be that once again he was in the, denial. The yeah, right. Yeah. Like you know damn well that you did this. Yeah. But huh, you're you're yeah. gonna deny it, and, and I mean you can believe your own BS. It was like some trauma, and he was like blocking it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So traumatic because yeah. the whole crew's dead. He's responsible. So maybe he did. Now that wasn't that wasn't addressed in the movie, but we're thinking about it, and yeah. you know, with our advanced psychological knowledge, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're, we're putting that together. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, Doctor Shane. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it is a good point. Mm-hmm. But okay, so do you do you? I'm giving it an 8.6. Okay. I liked it. Uh-huh. I liked it a lot. Like I said, 10s are hard for me. Uh, right. Well, you, you've established that, and yeah. I, I respect that. Yeah. Because you still haven't seen The Godfather. So. I haven't. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, I guess that's it for the... Forbidden Planet, yeah. Right. For Forbidden Planet. Thank you very much. I'm Fred Satilli. I'm Shane Schuldmeyer. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know what you guys thought about the review. Let us know if you've seen Forbidden Planet, what you think about the movie. And let us know what you think we should review next. This is The Real Generation Gap. Thanks again for sticking with us to the end. We really appreciate it. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll catch you guys in the next one.